0: You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin.
1: In August, the news broke that World Pride 2025 was no longer going to be hosted by Taiwan. Less than a year ago, Inner Pride in Taiwan had celebrated the selection of Kaohsiung Pride's bid over the Capital Pride Alliance of Washington, D.C., to host World Pride 2025 in Taiwan. The announcement about World Pride Taiwan 2025 was hugely significant since Taiwan was the first country in Asia to legalize same-sex marriage in 2019, and it would be the first ever World Pride event to be held in East Asia. My listeners will recall that we did an episode about this news last December with Darian Chen in episode 162. What had happened to make Kaohsiung Pride and the Taiwan Preparation Committee decide to withdraw from hosting World Pride Taiwan 2025? In August, I came across a tweet about the cancellation by Bikim Kim Hsiao, Taiwan's representative to the United States. She had tweeted an article written by David Yu, Don't Sacrifice Taiwan in the Fight for LGBTQ Rights. The article had been published in Foreign Policy. I reached out to David and I invited him to come on to Talking Taiwan as a guest to discuss and reflect on what happened. David is a contractor, CTO of an LA-based life sciences startup. I also reached out to the Kaohsiung Pride Committee and Inner Pride for comment, but have not received any responses to date. This episode of Talking Taiwan has been sponsored by Natoa, the North America Taiwanese Women's Association. Natoa was founded in 1988 and its mission is 1. to evoke a sense of self esteem and enhance women's dignity. 2. to oppose gender discrimination and promote gender equality. 3. to fully develop women's potential and encourage their participation in public affairs. 4. To contribute to the advancement of human rights and democratic development in Taiwan. 5. To reach out and work with women's organizations worldwide to promote peace for all. To learn more about NADWA, visit their website www.natwa.com. Without further ado, here's our interview. After I read David's article about World Pride Taiwan 2025 being cancelled, I reached out to him and he mentioned that he had been involved with Atasa. David was one of the first out officers of Atasa. He talked about how he got involved with the organization and the Atasa conference that he helped organize at Yale that was the first to have LGBTQ related programming.
0: I was born in Taiwan and moved to the US when I was in junior high school and then went to college high school and college at Yale. And it was actually, I left Taiwan in 1991 and was only at Yale when my friend Kathy Hsu, who was bidding to host ITASA at Yale, recruited me to help out. And I remember that year the ITASA conference was at Princeton. So we traveled to Princeton, put in our bid. Well, so we had worked on the bid the year before even the Princeton event happened to try to line up speakers and guests and topics to host Itaza at Yale. Kathy went to Taipei American School, and, and she knew I was gay. I was out as soon as I got to college. That was one of my goals of choosing a school that I could feel comfortable being out at. And Kathy knew, and she was a very devout Christian. But what's interesting is that Kathy was bidding for ITASA, but at the same time, we got together regularly to talk about the Bible, me from a non-religious perspective. And I just found her to be super pleasant to work with and super open-minded. So going to Princeton for the ITASA conference was such a great experience. And it was actually at the ITASA conference, that I started learning about the true Taiwanese history because as I left Taiwan in 1991 and up until 87, Taiwan was under martial law. So the history I learned in Taiwan was not relevant. <laughs> not that it wasn't relevant, but it wasn't the truth, right? It was mm-hmm. the history that the KMT wanted Taiwanese kids to learn. And even after martial law was lifted, I was too young to really understand it. Even though I lived just a couple miles from where the students protested in Taiwan. But fast forward to college, I think I saw a documentary made by a Yale senior at the Princeton event called Voices. It's where he interviewed the victims of the 228 massacre in Taiwan. And it shocked me because it's a period of Taiwanese history that I just was not very aware of. After I moved to the U.S., I I pretty much had an American experience. I did track, I did choir, I did, I, I did all these things. And Taiwan, just like the Taiwanese identity just fell to the wayside until I got to college. And Itasa was such a good experience that people asked if I wanted to be co-president my junior year. And that was also the time when we would host the conference at Yale. I ran to be co-president. I was elected one of the presidents. The other president was Vinya Lin. And we worked really hard with everyone's help to host that year's conference. And it was the first year also we had a panel on LGBT issues in Taiwan.
1: Thanks for sharing that. What year was that? That was
0: 1999.
1: What was the reception like?
0: Oh, it was great.
1: David also talked about how his article got tweeted by B. Kim Shao.
0: You probably came across Xiao B. Kim's tweet because she retweeted my friend Melissa Chan's tweet of the article. Melissa is a friend of mine. We met in Berlin where she is based and she's a journalist for Deutsche Welle. But she Mm -hmm. was actually the first foreign correspondent to be kicked out of China. She saw my article and tweeted it to her account. And Mm -hmm. that's probably how Shelby Kim saw it. (laughs) I would like to open with saying that I'm not a journalist by trade. I'm an entrepreneur, a techie. And I wrote that article when I found out about the cancellation of World Pride in Taiwan. And as a Taiwanese American and also gay There are a lot of complicated emotions that floated up inside me, and I felt like I needed to do something. And so I talked to people. I was able to reach the editor of Foreign Policy on this topic and very quickly wrote a draft and shopped it to him, and he agreed to publish it.
1: Thank you for doing that. Yeah, I was quite surprised when I saw the announcement in August. And my listeners will know that we were very excited. And we actually did an episode about the announcement late last year, so a year ago, talking about the fact that Taiwan had won the bid for 2025. And at that time, we had talked to Darian Chen, who shared the news and was quite surprising that this turn of events has happened because. Again, people may remember that he talked about how supportive inner pride was about Taiwan and that they had agreed to call the event World Pride Taiwan 2025. And I did reach out to Darian for a statement And he told me that Kaohsiung Pride had actually suspended him a month after winning the bid for Taiwan to host World Pride in 2025. So he was unable to comment on what led to the Taiwan Preparation Committee's decision to withdraw from hosting World Pride 2025.
0: As a disclaimer, I need to say that all of the information I have is from what's publicly available, but some of the statements are from are from official government organizations like Taiwan's Military of Foreign Affairs, MOFA. And I've learned information from the Facebook page of Kaohsiung Pride, from the Facebook page of Interpride, as well as Washington Pride, Capital City Pride.
1: After the World Pride 2025 Taiwan Preparation Committee announced that it would no longer be hosting World Pride 2025 in August, a few months later, in November of this year, Interpride announced that the Capital Pride Alliance in Washington, D.C. would be hosting World Pride 2025.
0: Yeah, so that's the information I have. I haven't been able to get any of the organizations involved to respond. It's, it's as if this topic never happened.
1: And I'm in the same boat as you, likewise, and so I was hoping at the very least we could have a conversation as an update as what's happened and what kind of concerns there are surrounding this situation.
0: I think on that issue of name, you can actually find the original tweet by Interpride when in November 2021 when Taiwan mm-hmm was chosen as the next host for World Pride and they actually celebrated with a colorful graphic and the graphic said World Pride Taiwan 2025. So that's one of the facts that I was able to gather is that the official account of InterPride in 2021 celebrated World Pride Taiwan 2025.
1: The messaging since the initial announcement in November 2021 was for World Pride Taiwan 2025. Then in August, the World Pride Taiwan 2025 Facebook page posted a statement saying that Interpride had raised their concerns and doubts about whether Taiwan has the capacity, economic and otherwise, to host an international event like World Pride. The statement also said that Inner Pride had required changing the name of the event from World Pride Taiwan 2025 to World Pride Kaohsiung 2025. It was quite surprising to hear that there was some backpedaling by Inner Pride asking to change the name of the event to World Pride Kaohsiung. One of the explanations I heard for this was that Inner Pride has a tradition of naming World Pride by city. But on the other hand, they did initially agree to make an exception to call the event World Pride Taiwan 2025. And then later, Interpride did publicly state in a tweet that they would offer to call the event World Pride Kaohsiung Taiwan.
0: I did find an article with a statement from the Kaohsiung Pride organizers saying that the name of Kaohsiung Taiwan was never offered as an option. I think on the issue of holding on to the naming of a city as a tradition and as a rule to go by, I think that's a subtle huge, huge because I actually participate in plenty of other queer, gay events, including sporting events. And a lot of the teams, for a long time, I played with the San Francisco Spikes, which is a soccer team. And when we go to tournaments, the teams could be named based on whatever affiliation they have, whether it's a city, a country, anything. And even on the international stage, the World Cup, which just happened, traditionally Mm -hmm. has been hosted by single countries, but as we know, Japan and Korea co-hosted one of the Mm tournaments. So I think for Enterprise to celebrate World Pride Taiwan in 2021, and then to say that traditionally we've used city names is, it's not a convincing enough explanation. And I think you used the word surprising. Sure, I think the decision to how it happened is surprising. To me, the surprise is how queer organization that purports to support identity and democracy can choose to make this an issue. But it's actually not surprising in that China has a way of finding every little, organization, big or small organization, or any person, and finding a way to threaten them for expressing any support, either for Taiwan or for Hong Kong democracy.
1: Another thing that could factor into this was that enterprise was applying for consultative status at the UN.
0: There are speculations that when MOFA, the Kaohsiung Pride organizers and InterPride got together and discussed the name of World Pride 2025, InterPride actually said that it had been applying to receive consultative status at the global body, meaning the United Nations, and therefore they're trying to align with United Nations requirements. So it's not speculation that might be an issue, but it's actually During the 2021 discussion, Interpride had mentioned their application to the United Nations as a reason that they might be hesitant to call 2025 World Pride Taiwan. The discussion happened before the tripartite agreement to call it World Pride Taiwan 2025.
1: It's very confusing because when Darian came on last year, he actually spoke about this quite clearly and said that they knew that Enterprise was applying for this status and that they fought very hard for World Pride 2025 Taiwan and that it- Got put through. And so who knows why this ended up happening later on. There's a lot of finger pointing going on. I'm wondering some people may be thinking should Kaohsiung Pride or the Taiwan Preparation Committee have? found some way to still host the event as World Pride Kaohsiung or World Pride Kaohsiung Taiwan, should they have compromised or should they have said it's okay, we'll still do it as World Pride Kaohsiung? Because one way to look at it would be that this is a really huge opportunity for Taiwan to participate on the international stage and to make a statement, and it'll still be held in Taiwan, even though it's under the name Kaohsiung, everybody will know that. And it could be a really huge opportunity for Taiwan because I don't think that there'd be any way for China to have any intervention. Of course, China can put up a protest or whatever, as they usually do in these kinds of cases. But what's your what are your thoughts on that?
0: I think it's a shame that, of course, that it didn't happen. But I'm not one of the organizers, so I can't purport to know the exact reasoning that led to them wanting to cancel the event. And I think they have every right to choose what name barring anything offensive, but I think they have the right to stick to the name that people agree to. And I would like to say it, it's also a shame that I'm living in Europe right now and China is quite good at dividing is that should have common values and goals. And I think this is an example of two organizations that maybe they disagree the execution of an event. But in essence, they share a lot of common values. But due to the circumstances, they couldn't bring this event to Taiwan. And I don't believe that the host should have hosted the event under any condition. I think as the queer community knows, being able to call yourself something that you identify with is basically the most important thing right and to to not be able to exercise that right is it feels really second rate and too much of a compromise
1: and now for a short break Hello listeners, I'm excited to announce that I recently interviewed Robert Tao, founder of UMC, who's been making lots of news headlines. In August, he pledged to donate $100 million US million to help Taiwan defend itself. If you'd like exclusive first listening access to my interview with Mr. Tao, simply make a donation of $25 or more to Talking Taiwan at TalkingTaiwan.com forward slash support. All of our donors, past, present, and future, will also get first listening access to my interviews with Chin Chi Yang, a multidisciplinary artist who has been inducted into the New York Foundation for the Arts Hall of Fame, and Michelle Kuo, an attorney, activist, and author of Reading with Patrick which is a runner-up for the Dayton Literary Peace Prize and the Goddard Riverside Stefan Russo Book Prize for Social Justice. We'd also like to congratulate all the winners of the artwork from our event, A Night with Master Cartoonist Guy Gilchrist. If you missed the event, you can still experience Guy's artistry by watching the recorded replay of Talking Taiwan's YouTube channel or listen to highlights from the event in episode 214. We are so grateful for all of your support and our growing listenership. Now, back to the episode. Thank you for that. That's a very good point because, right, people should have a right to be named or called as they want to be called. So even on that simple principle, you could see why people may object to having the name after it was publicly agreed upon to be World Pride 2025 Taiwan it shouldn't be World Pride 2025 Kaohsiung. David is based in Berlin, and he talked a bit about LGBTQIA rights in Europe and their views and dealings with China.
0: I think in general, Europe is very, it, in some ways, they, I mean, it depends on the country, of course, but most, I would say, Western European countries have already legalized same-sex marriage, and the immigration laws also support same-sex marriages. It's something that, The advocates in Taiwan are still working on because right now foreigners can get married to a Taiwanese person and have that marriage be recognized by Taiwan queer foreigners only if the person is from a country that already recognizes same-sex marriage. So no one from, for example, China can get married to a Taiwanese person and get Taiwanese citizenship through that route. I would like to point out that the organizer of Kaohsiung Pride was mm-hmm. the only exception. He actually was able to sue the Supreme Court of Taiwan. He's from Macau originally, and he was able to have his marriage be recognized in Taiwan. But as far as I can tell, it's a one-off situation. It's an exception. It doesn't pave the road to having such marriages be recognized in Taiwan.
1: He's from Macau and his partner is from Taiwan then.
0: Correct. Yeah, his husband now. Yeah. Europe is very much ahead of, I would say, both the US and Asia in terms of LGBTQ rights. But I think Europe is behind in recognizing how beholden they are to Chinese influence. But maybe that's a topic that's beyond the scope of (laughs) this episode.
1: Yeah, it's really quite disappointing to me to reflect on this, going back to the situation of the cancellation of World Pride Taiwan, because I feel like there's been some damage done, like, certainly to interpride if there's a lot of questions about them as they're trying to achieve the consultative status at the United Nations. It's very complex, right? Because Taiwan's position in the global arena and for the right of representation for LGBTQIA community within mainstream society, there's a lot of parallels there. And it's very unfortunate that this situation had to happen this way.
0: Yeah. I think what enterprise the organizers have to realize the UN status is somehow important to the organizers I think they have to think to themselves how much are they willing to compromise and how much that, Means to get that status and who's driving this? Do they want the status to be more effective or is it something for whoever's working on this to pad their resume? Because China is actually looking to weaken a lot of the international organizations that are built by the West. And if the members of UN compromise their values, then the UN will be like the League of Nations. It doesn't mean that much. So I think it's for the enterprise organizers to really think like, at this point, they chose to compromise their values for a status. And what does that mean? This is actually exactly what Taiwan or Taiwanese organizations experience whenever China is involved. Right. First, there is a dispute about the name. And then there Mm -hmm. is this erasure of what I observed when when this news just broke that Taiwan was forced to cancel World Pride Taiwan 2025, there were a lot of reactions on Enterprise's page. And what I noticed was that a lot of those reactions were deleted.
1: <laughs> yeah, about Their <laughs> Facebook page.
0: Their Facebook page. Yeah, I actually regret not having kind of screen captured more of the reactions. Sure, but yeah. but it, it's maybe it's Enterprise's first time dealing with something like this but it's actually very formulaic in terms of how China basically makes people almost afraid to mention the word Taiwan. And that's part of the strategy, Mm -hmm. right? Erase the identity. So the identity no longer exists, not in people's mind. We talk about drawing parallels. The queer community can be upset about the don't say gay bill, about Russia's gay propaganda law, all of those things. And this is actually very similar to what what those laws are trying to do to erase Taiwan from discussion.
1: It's just so disappointing that this would still happen because as we know, Taiwan is censored in so many ways. The most famous example is the Olympics. Taiwan can't even compete under the name Taiwan. and We have to use these very dysfunctional names like Chinese Taipei and a lot of other international bodies and events and things like that. It's just really disappointing that we haven't really come that far. I don't know what to say about this.
0: (laughs) Yeah, funny you should mention that because, as I mentioned, I was involved with a gay soccer team in San Francisco and I've been to the gay games. And my first experience was in Cologne in Germany. And Mm -hmm. I participated as part of the delegation from San Francisco. And it was my first time very excited at the opening ceremony. So I went around to meet people from other countries and there was a women's softball team from Taiwan and they were exasperated because the organizers had put Taiwan province of China on the placard that they're supposed to bring Mm. into the arena. and, Mm. And they were exasperated because their English wasn't good enough to talk to the organizers to try to change it. And I had just enough alcohol in the me to take up the cost. So I went to the organizers <laughs> and told them how ridiculous it is to have this issue at a queer event when all of our lives we've tried to live our true identity. They didn't really have a, an argument. I actually didn't ask back then why they even started with that ridiculous name for Taiwan.
1: It's like where does that come from? <laughs>
0: right? So that's the frustrating thing for I think a lot of Taiwanese people is like why does this issue come up at the most random mm-hmm. places, right? And
1: You got to wonder. Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly and I think and I think there's a lot of there are a lot of issues with funding with everything mm-hmm. I, actually right after the financial crisis of 2008, China basically came to the rescue of a lot of European countries. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's a reason but that might be part of the agreed upon practice by a lot of countries in terms of whether they can or cannot mention Taiwan. But for me, having studied both Taiwanese and queer history, it just feels ridiculous. And I actually view the issue of Taiwan as an issue of social justice too, because you have all these people who want to decide for themselves. But You can always draw parallels. And I think the lesson for me is, and I take the lesson from Harvey Milk, the San Francisco supervisor Mm -hmm. who was Mm -hmm. monumental in pushing gay rights forward. One of his most famous quotes is, come out wherever you are, which means (laughs) that you help make people aware of what it means to be gay, to educate them about why it's completely normal to have a gay person in your life and why they deserve all the rights that you have. And I kind of feel the same way about being Taiwanese being and being American as well. I now live in Europe. I'm not afraid to talk about politics with friends. I try not to be accusatory when I talk to someone because I think there's a difference between people who just don't know much about the issue that you care about versus people who know, who are led to the water, but refused to drink it. And so I think in terms of the sporting events, I participated, whether it's gay games or the Euro games where the Taiwan issue has come up, it seemed to me that the people just didn't know. They didn't know that it was an issue. And in that way, it was like actually fairly easy to get them to change the name. The, for example, this past summer, I was in the Netherlands participating in the Eurogames in track and field. Because I was on, the only person who signed up as from Taiwan, they asked me to carry the flag, except they had the Chinese Taipei flag prepared, probably from their MOFA, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs equivalent. And luckily, I brought my own Taiwanese flag. Oh,
1: uh, okay.
0: So I was able to wave the Taiwanese flag at the event. And I felt it, it was surprisingly meaningful to me. I think actually Europe has a very rudimentary understanding of Taiwan and China. And for example, right now, in countries do very often talk about how American companies engage in anti-competitive practices and how maybe the inflation reduction act is too supportive of domestic companies, but for example, Germany's largest trading partner is China, and Chinese companies are, on the whole, way more supported by the state than American companies. And it seems odd that you hear more criticism of the U.S. than you do about China in Europe, probably because as Americans, we like to criticize because there's a desire to improve. We like to criticize ourselves as well, whereas Mm. that's not really a public option in China. But that shouldn't be the case in Western democracies. So whatever censorship that exists in China should not exist in the West and we should not be afraid to talk about them.
1: Yeah, that is a whole other discussion. Yeah, because I feel like I think with anything, you have to be really informed and aware to understand what kind of things are going on, what kind of influences there are from other countries or other groups and things like that. Because if you're not aware, and you're not thinking critically. Yeah, it could just pass you by, you wouldn't know that was going on yeah I don't know. do you think that in terms of the damage done, I wonder if there's another chance for World Pride to be hosted in Asia if now like Taiwan is just like a taboo
0: <laughs> no I think I think we have to recognize that world Pride is just it's actually a private brand, right. Yeah. I mean, it's like the World Series, but it's only in the U.S. I don't know the future. I hope Taiwan can continue to have international support that, like, we we didn't mention this, but Taiwan is pretty much the only true democracy in the entire Chinese-speaking world, right? So I hope that voice continues to exist because, as we've seen, censorship doesn't just stay within China. And it's important to have this free voice within that part of the world. And so as long as Taiwan remains Taiwan, I think pride will always happen. And especially after gay marriage has been legalized in Taiwan, the acceptance of gay relationships has gone up dramatically. And mm-hmm. we actually didn't talk about this, but in China, actually, there has been a lot of like backpedaling of gay rights in terms of pride parades not happening and also something similar to gay propaganda in Russia that there can no longer be what they use is like nyang pao, which is a derogatory term for gay people. There can no longer be presentation of gay people, not gay people but like girly gays on TV. The gay games for 2022 or 2021. So it was originally supposed to be in Hong Kong and it's not happening anymore and it's going oh no actually it's still happening but they've decided to add Guadalajara, Mexico as a co-location for gay games. The world's hoping that Hong Kong can be this shining example of freedom for the Chinese people, but we've seen that's not the case. We were hoping that gay games in Hong Kong can really improve the lives of LGBT people in Hong Kong and in China. But it's barely going to be an event. And most people are going to Mexico instead. And even the original organizers of Hong Kong Gay Games has resigned after having worked on it for, I think, six or seven years. Um, Yeah. Yeah, So I think current world events really teach us, yeah, of course, it's important to work together because there are different countries, different personalities, different cultures, but it doesn't mean you compromise your values.
1: I guess I was thinking the closing thing that we could talk about because we started to talk about it, but it's just like how much of a loss is this that Taiwan's not hosting World Pride 2025?
0: I think actually that's a very good question because again, drawing Parallels you can say taiwan has tried to be the in the un taiwan has tried to be in the who Will continue to have its public health system, whether they're in the WHO or not. Taiwan will continue mm-hmm. to have its multiple Pride events, a vibrant gay scene, whether mm-hmm. it's it hosts world pride or not. And same as Taiwan will still continue to have trade partners, to have de facto diplomacy with different countries, whether China forces another country to call an embassy an office or not, right? Like all of these things mm-hmm. are still happening. Just like men, <laughs> were still having relationships, even if they didn't call it mm-hmm. same-sex relationships. So all of these mm-hmm. things are happening. To pretend they're not is maybe Taiwan is not the one that ends up losing its credibility, is my ultimate conclusion.
1: <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. We may never know all of the factors that led to Kaohsiung Pride and the Taiwan Preparation Committee to terminate their plans to host World Pride 2025. One thing I wanted to point out is that we didn't address Interpride's concerns and doubts about whether Taiwan has the capacity, economic or otherwise, to host an international event like World Pride. That was from the World Pride Taiwan 2025 Facebook page's statement about the cancellation. I haven't read anything that addressed these issues.
0: The thing is, we don't know everything that's happened, but the way it's happened is very similar to experiences by Taiwanese people over and over again. I say we don't jump to conclusions, but this Mm -hmm. is too familiar of a pattern. And for me personally, it's a familiar pattern, but it's really disappointing because I'm queer myself too. And I'm still an optimist. I still will always believe in social justice and, and the values of freedom and democracy. I think this disappointment is temporary (laughs) yeah so hopefully queer people can see taiwan and not just taiwan maybe other countries that have the same struggle see that there's a lot of common fight
1: yeah and that there's some hope
0: yeah exactly sure
1: okay great thank you so much for taking time off your schedule to be on talking taiwan
0: thanks for having me felicia
1: I've been speaking with David Yu about Kaohsiung Pride and the Taiwan Preparation Committee's termination of hosting World Pride 2025. This episode of Talking Taiwan has been sponsored by NAATOA. The North America Taiwanese Women's Association, was founded in 1988 to evoke a sense of self-esteem and enhance women's dignity, to oppose gender discrimination and promote gender equality to fully develop women's potential and encourage their participation in public affairs, to contribute to the advancement of human rights and democratic development in Taiwan, to reach out and work with women's organizations worldwide to promote peace for all. To learn more about NATWA, visit their website, www.natwa.com. Now it's time for you to show us some love we just found out that you can rate us on Spotify. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Audible, leave us a review there. It helps others to discover Talking Taiwan. To learn more about any of the items mentioned in this episode, visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. There will list any related links. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan
0: is brought to you by Forumosa.com.